Rousey gets it into Marquise Noel. Shot clock now at 20. Here comes K-State. There's the lob for Key, and he stuffs the ball. He got the stuff. Keontae Johnson now with 24, and K-State leads with 20 seconds to go. Here we go. Here's the inbounds. Harris, 10 seconds to go. Nine seconds. He's got it at center circle. Six seconds to go. He'll drive to the left towards the baseline. Loses the ball. He's on the floor. One second to go. It's over. It's over. It's over. Kansas State has won the game. 83-82. The Wildcats have upset the second-ranked team in the country. Wyatt Thompson on the call last night. Number 13, K-State beats number two, Kansas. Last night in Bramblage Coliseum, 83-82. K-State and KU both now have the same record, 16-2, with a 5-1 mark in Big 12 play. It's hour two of the game, the game after work, and of course the game after dark. A few weeks now, probably won't be able to say that. Maybe for, eh, maybe at least a few more weeks. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, it's, It's not March yet, so. Yeah, but... You know, right around when yeah, winter we're begins. we're creeping there. We're yeah. creeping. We're creeping. Uh, anyway, 537-1350 is our number. Phone line's going to be open right now for a couple of segments. If you want to chime in on the win last night, were you there? What was your experience like? We'd love to hear from you. Again, the number is 537-1350. Put on a little 785 on the beginning of that. Uh, boy, uh, where to start? I mean, there, there's so many storylines. It's like try to hard to squeeze them all in in, you know, 30 minutes or so, uh, but plenty of takeaways. First of all, I just want to say from my perspective how amazing the environment was last night. Uh, I, uh, From what I heard, some fans had to be turned away. Really? Uh, because uh, when it comes to, like, the student section, it had filled up, and there was, oh, you know, yeah. there were some thoughts that, yeah, we're going to might have to turn some people around, just too many people in line. Uh, if that's true... Have to get in line sooner. Wow. Going to have to get in line sooner. Go to more games. Get a higher tier. And yet, uh, what was it? The line stretched almost all the way to Kimball? Oh, it was there. I I am pretty sure the line was to Kimball. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It, it was it was definitely that far when I pulled in. I got there a little bit before. You were doing number two song of the day. Which, by the way, great pull there. Tag Thank you. team. Thank you. Tag team back again. Now, jog jams, hell yeah. That was a <laughs> that was a really good one. I did enjoy that on the drive into uh, to Bramlage College. I still love the fact that the Spurs held the throwback game at the Alamo Dome recently and had them at halftime. No kidding. That's pretty dope. Um, didn't even have Sam Storm. And they, they, did, uh, they did test it out. Yes. But it never happened, which I'm, you know... I'm always kind of weird about Sandstorm. Yes, it's fun, but of course, you know, Tank does not want to hear the FKU right. chant, and it was going to be the loudest all night yeah. if that were to be played. Um, what else was there? Um, so the loudest, I, I like to put together like a top three of the loudest moments of the night. I got to say, so obviously the, the top two are the obvious ones, Sure, I think. Now, what would also fit into the top three, and I thought this was a hell of a shot which was in the second half, and I think this was the last three of the game. K-State started pretty hot from three. Last night, they hit their first five, and then the rest of the game was two of 12. But Desi Sills with that step-back three in the face of Grady Dick, that was sweet. That was a hell of a shot. And what a game for Desi Sills, a K-State high 
24 points. He drew six fouls. He was getting to the foul line and knocking down his free throws. An amazing play by by Desi Sills. And I, you know, K State's in a very tough spot without him because Marquise Noel yep. finished with four points. And there was a there was a sequence where Marquise Noel was maybe forcing some shots. He was trying to score. He was trying to find some heat. Because that's what he does. He's Marquise Noel. He hits a couple of deep shots, and it's to this point now where we expect it from him. We're expecting a big shot. And he had, in clutch time, a chance to hit a wide-open three, and he missed it. And it was just it was an uncharacteristic night, but credit goes to KU for the mm-hmm. way they – you know, played out their defense, and you know, K State the same with Garden Grady Dick. They did not want to give him anything easy. He had to take a, take a couple of deeper threes than he's used to, and he finished one of eight. His worst night of his career at KU. This is his first year as a freshman, but uh, it was his worst night so far. But you also have to note that okay, while Marquise had two stellar, and I mean stellar, hot games last week, you knew teams would make a, adjustments. That's part of what happens with conference basketball, especially, because people know your strengths and weaknesses. Now at the point where this is the third time through for him, because at least played everybody twice last year. And so teams in the conference are going to start to pick up on, uh, again, make those adjustments. And in his case, it's a matter then of elevating past those adjustments. And that's where the challenge lies. That's where why conference games become so tough. And that is you're always having to adjust to the adjustments. And D.Y. mentioned, and I agreed, you know, K-State does have two superstars. You take one out of the equation offensively, mm-hmm. try to take away their points, and force somebody else to step up. Well, you know, Desi Sills, who Marquise Noel said it last night, Desi's not a sixth man. He is a starter that yes. just comes off the bench. And he hasn't had the perfect season. His three-point percentage is not where you would hope it would be. It's like 27%. But he was a two of three last night, and he did so well at finishing at the rim. K-State has struggled mm-hmm. to score. I, I should just say last night. I can't really – I don't have the numbers to speak for, you know, recent or the season of what they are doing from two-point range. But getting to the hoop wasn't finishing shots. Desi Sills was let, – let, let's see if I can uh, I'll look at the numbers here. Desi Sills last night was 5 of 8 from 2. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not too bad when a team was shooting 45% from two-point range. Uh, all right, we got a call here. Uh, let's go ahead and take it right now, Travion. Rick from Manhattan wants to talk about the game experience. What's up, Rick? Yeah, so as far as the uh, crowd noise, um, gosh – down the stretch a few different times there. It got so loud, I couldn't hear myself yelling. And when it gets to be that loud, <laughs> you know it can't really get any louder in some ways. Um, and my sister-in-law went to a game with me, and she said it's almost like it got so loud that sound disappeared, like it was you couldn't hear anything, or almost like going underwater. It just was kind of surreal. Um and then as far as the KU players, I think they're starting to taper off on talent level. I don't know what their ratings are and their players, but there was only a couple guys that when you could, I mean, when you sat close enough, you could see the looks in their eyes. They didn't have that killer instinct down the stretch. They were trying, and they could only work to the right side of the lane. So in the last possession, they ended up on the left side, and they hadn't been able to produce over there 
for like the entire second half. So I think we're going to start to see the tide turning a little bit. And I don't know if the Adidas scandals may be catching up to him a little bit on the recruiting. But those are not the same McDonald's All-American guys that they used to get. Because they were very good at finishing. And you could see that look in their eyes. But these guys, it's just not there. No, it's a great point that you bring up. And, and some of us wondered how long it might take for the aftermath of the Adidas scandal to take hold with KU recruiting. And those that uh, have been following have kind of had that feeling that Bill Self wasn't getting the same caliber of guy. And maybe we're at that point now where it is starting to show. While last year they win the title, the other thing that's going to be at play here, how much does he begin to have to utilize the transfer portal to a point that he's not had to in the past. We know, and Rick, I really appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. That you know, the self-imposed when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, self-imposed penalties, I guess, yes. from Kansas. That uh, when it comes to recruiting, and I think what they're going to lose a, a one scholarship for the next three years well, or something like and, that. And the and it's the just general uncertainty of the situation where people weren't sure what the NCAA might do with this looming over the KU program. Now, granted, we've kind of learned that the NCAA isn't going to do jack squat, but still that does affect your recruiting for the time frame that you're looking at it all and going, hmm, do I want to go to a place that could wind up on a probation or face issues going forward? It's some of why Arizona has had to rebuild over the last few years. I will say to me, KU has, and this is—I don't think it's a secret—they have a, an elite starting five. Yes, very good starting five. There is a big drop off, in my opinion, on the bench, and I mentioned it in Mitch Palm yesterday. I talked about it with Dy, where they're one of the worst scoring benches in the country. I figured, like, my thought was, and this was going into overtime. You know, KJ Adams, I think it fouled out at that time. I know, you know, Kevin McCullers have a terrible game. Mm-hmm. Um, but K.J. Adams fouls out, then Grady Dick fouls out in the last couple of minutes. I was like, this is where K-State pounces. They now, they now bring three guys off the bench that maybe score a combined seven points a game. And we know where the ball is going. It's going to Jalen Wilson. Just got to right. play good enough defense to right. stop him and not let him get to the right hand and drive. When he gets downhill, he's impossible to stop. And either you're going to give up the two points or you're going to foul him and he scores the two points at the free throw line. The bench of KU, like I said earlier, uh, yesterday, Sharon Collins is not coming off that bench. They no. do not have Sharon Collins. Right. They don't have anything close to that, in my opinion. But the starting five is good. And Jalen Wilson, I've been advocating, you know, as Marquise Noel is one of the, as the best player in the Big 12, and certainly a candidate for Big 12 Player of the Year. Well, I mean, Jaylen, did I be, have I been saying Jalen Daniels, by the way? Jalen Wilson. No, you've been all right. Um, very loudly. Uh, definitely probably put himself once again as the front runner for Big 12 Player of the Year because now his point total is over 20 points a game. He was just ungodly good last night. Mm-hmm. And to be perfectly honest, that will be an adjustment to watch and see now over the next few weeks to see what teams do to combat what he's been able to accomplish. I saw some folks last night already talking about, hey, we need to try to make him go left-hand as opposed to right-hand because it seemed like everything he did was right-handed throughout the course of the night. But still, 38 points. That's not a that's not a KU outcome last night where they even are within a point if he doesn't have that type of an effort. Heck, I, 
I thought I was watching. Uh, I felt like I was having deja vu because of Ochai Baji last year, and he scored yeah. just 29 last year. And last night, Jalen Wilson finishes with 38. He was just unconscious there for a while of driving and getting to the foul line. I mean, he drew eight fouls last night. So did so did Keontae Johnson, I will say. He also drew eight fouls. Mm-hmm. That was just the way the game was being called. Both coaches, I think, were trying to take advantage of that. But, you know, defensively, Marquise Noel, even though offensively wasn't having a great game, he's, he did have – Seven assists. Don't take that away from him. Right. Uh, Dewan Harris, by the way, for KU, had 11 assists last night. But also, I, I thought Marquise did a fantastic job defensively. His job last night was to try to disrupt their two best shooters from from scoring from distance. And, and Jalen Wilson was 3 of 10 from 3, but he did a lot of driving last night. He still took 10 threes, which is a high number. And he shoots 33% from 3. I mean, he's not elite from distance anyway, but Grady Dick is. And Grady Dick is the fifth best three-point shooter in the country, and he finishes 1 of 8. It wasn't just Marquise Noel that didn't allow him to take the wide-open threes. He did have a couple, only able to knock down one of them. You know, you know, Desi Sills and Cam Carter were a part of that as well. It just right. kind of depended on the switch. But I did really appreciate K-State's defense. It was just, once again, inside where, and I, I don't have the final number, but I believe you know, KU scored in the 60% range, maybe even higher, maybe up to 65% from two. It's a rough number, a very rough number for the K-State defense. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you think about it, if KU does have a little bit better day from shooting from three, the Jayhawks probably win. A very, very even game. On the box score, it is it's wild how even the game was last night. The cut two differences from three point range. K State shot forty one percent. KU was twenty point seven percent, and also bench points was thirty one to eight. K State beat KU on the bench thirty one to eight. But other than that, everything was very even. And I got to say, you know, there's a couple of other things that I I, I thought was was very big. And you know, in post game, Bill Self said this game came down to four plays. Two of them was K-State defensively at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime. You know, Naquan Tomlin just – was it moments prior? I, I We should have had the show right after the game because I had take after take after take. And once you sleep on it a little bit, a guy like me, right. like, it just kind of becomes a blur right. after yeah. a while because yeah. so much happened last night. There were a ton of storylines that played into the results of this game last night. But – the stops at the end of regulation and overtime, I, I want people to remember what those two plays. The lob was amazing, and of course the, the, the stop at the end of the game was legendary, but I want people to also remember the stop at the end of regulation. Because KU had the chance, like in overtime, to have the final shot to win the game. And this this was well explained, actually, on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but basically broke the play down and said what K-State did well. Basically, Naquan Tomlin made a play. Mm-hmm. He made a play, disrupted Dewan Harris's pass, and it led to a, to a, a, a breakaway, nearly. Uh, because Keontae Johnson was sprinting up the floor with plenty of time. He just couldn't get the layup to go. People thought he was fouled. He was not fouled. I can tell you he was not fouled. I didn't think he was. Uh, when I saw it live, every, even though everybody was going nuts, I had a pretty good view of it. Didn't really look like anything happened. Just missed the shot. But it reminded me of uh, it reminded me of 2010 actually, because th- there's another part of deja vu. Right. Remember the 2010 overtime game where K State gets the turnover with three quarters of the court to go, with three seconds to go, and Dominique Sutton is sprinting up the floor to get a shot, and we all thought he was fouled. 
going up. It goes overtime. The Cats lose. But K-State, the end of regulation in overtime, did not allow KU to get a shot. Hmm. And and Dewan Harris, despite how good he was passing last night, two turnovers. Two of the biggest turnovers that we have had this season. K-State was clutched defensively, despite some struggles inside the arc. Made two gigantic stops, and I want people to remember that. Those two plays, the lob will always be memorable to me. Like Those will be the three plays that stand out to me the most right. from last night's uh, victory against uh, the, uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. Also, and I mentioned this earlier as well, where KU was never able to extend its lead past two points. K-State was up 14 at one point, and I— I mean, we all know better, right? Right. We know KU's going to claw their way back into it. It was unfortunate it happened as quick as it did, and a big part of that was Keontae Johnson picked up a couple fouls, and right. he, had to, he had to sit for a while. You know, when, you're, when your best player, one of your best players is on the floor, meanwhile the other one just has been kind of, his shot has been taken away from him, you know, there's going to be a few struggles. And, I, you know, I thought Desi Seals did what he could to, to keep K-State, you know, within, you know, separate from arm's reach from KU. But Kansas battles back. It's a five-point game. Um, they end up taking the lead on, on multiple occasions, but it never got past two. And that's a part of the resilience, I think. Because K-State, you know, they blow a 14-point lead, and that's not the first time a team has blown a 14-point lead against KU. Ask Oklahoma <laughs> State, they blew a 15-point lead. Well, all we've got to do is look at last year. Yeah, that big halftime lead. Uh-huh. Uh, after scoring 50 points. Uh-huh. Um, but um, each time K-State responded, after KU took the lead, here comes K-State, they find a way to get points. And I, I mentioned this to D.Y., resilience. That is, in my opinion, the best word to describe this team. And that is a big difference between who's going to make a long run in February, March, NCAA tournament, and who's not. Because I, I think we've seen too many times K-State find ways to lose games. Right. Under Jerome Tang, that's a big culture change. Mm-hmm. K-State as a team, even though it's a lot different now, is finding ways to win games. Figuring it out. And man, the balls to call that play. That lob. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, it, 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 to me, like when I watched it play out, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe <laughs> kind of drew up the same thing as against Oklahoma State, even though that was really, I say draw it up. I mean, that really seemed like an improvise by Marquise Noel against Oklahoma State. Right. But this time around, like that was a plan. That was out of a timeout, and that was a tight window. That had to be a perfect pass for Marquise Noel. Plus, you know, it wasn't like Keontae Johnson got the best hops uh, out, of that, out of that break towards the hoop. Here, here's the other thing that is just so dramatically wonderful about this, if you are a K-State fan. We've been pleading for offense, a style of play that is centered upon offense, doing things, instead of, well, I jokingly referred to it, slow motion offense. Not just motion offense, but slow motion This team has the ability to put up points as we saw against Texas. And it's not afraid to take chances on offense where for the last how many years, it almost felt like that players were hesitant to do things offensively. 
Tang is giving them the confidence and putting his faith in them to do some dramatic things, such as the alley-oop last night. That we, we haven't seen that in how many years? Case, well, Jerome Tang was asked the question after the game, like, you know, what, what uh, this was asked by D. Scott Fritchin, what do you want America to know about K-State basketball? You know, he did not mention they're the most fun team to watch in the country. I think they're the most fun team to watch in the country. It's a great point. You're going to get yeah. a great highlight every game. Oh. You're going to be on Sports Center Top 10 every week. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, in my opinion, pretty tough to top. All right, uh, man, I, again, so many storylines from last night, including, you know, Drum Tang's postgame speech, which we did talk about with D.Y. But, you know, um, there was actually a story brought up, and I, I'd never heard this. I don't think any no. of the media had heard this before. Um, when it comes to how big of a hand did Marquis Noel have in hiring Jerome Tang? I think this story just kind of adds to the legend that is right now being built in his first year with having Jerome Tang as the head coach. What I, 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 would, I would imagine by now, everybody loves the guy. Coming up next on The Game. It's the game on K-Man, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. If you've missed any of the show, and it's been a fun one, had a really great conversation with Derek Young from KCN Online in the first hour about last night's K-State win over Kansas in overtime. Look us up on SoundCloud, just search for The Game K-Man, or search for the same thing on wherever you listen to your podcast and keep up with what's going on with K-State Athletics with The Game and our podcast. You know, K-State had the play of the game, or the play of the day, I should say, last night with the alley-oop from... uh, Marquise Noel to Keontae Johnson, the dirty play of the day. Did you see this from last night, the Iowa State-Texas game? No. So this comes with 6.40 to go in the first half, and Texas is up 29-21. And it was a uh, – let me uh, make sure my sound's not up. Let me turn that back down. I'm sorry because I wanted to rewind this. So Texas takes a fadeaway two-pointer in the paint – and Dylan Mitchell is going up for the rebound for Texas. And he, he, he jumps up high, but he's not in the right position to grab the board. Well, why, while Mitchell is up in the air, mm. and I'm, I'm talking about, you know, he, he, he had a vertical of a good three feet or so, it seemed like. His head is uh, above the rim. Caleb Girl undercut him. Oh. Grill backed into him, oh. and Mitchell lands on his back and on his side. And the the also the thing about it is there was no whistle. Ooh, there was an official right there, and nothing happened. And then in in transition, Caleb Grill hits a three. All I'm saying is the Cats play in Ames in uh, in a week, right? This Tuesday is when they play in Ames after the Texas Ten game on Saturday. Uh, what a real uh, cool story we learned about in the press conference last night after the game. Katie goes up there first. It's a packed house. Casey goes up there second. And the players are up there first. Um, and, of course, you're just getting questions of the players about the relationship with Jerome Tang and you know just how they bonded, how they've grown over these first 18 games of the year. Marquise Noel actually went into a story about the hiring 
of Coach Tang and maybe him having a, a little bit of word to the old AD about Jerome Tang. So last year when I knew, you know, Coach Weber wasn't going to be the coach no more, I studied, you know, different coaches on the sideline, and I always seen this one guy standing up and bending down in a certain, you know, stance. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, so I, I looked up, you know, his information, and he was 19 years at Baylor, won the national championship, won multiple Big 12 championships. So I, I just, me and my brother talked about it, like, man, we need, you know, Jerome Tang to be our head coach. Like, all the guys, you know, gravitated to him on Baylor and sent a text message. And before you know it, like a couple days after, Coach Tang was our head coach. And, you know, I just thank, you know, uh, Mr. Gene Taylor for, for allowing that to happen for us. One more, did Gene Taylor respond to your text message? What did he say if he did respond? Uh, I actually got the text. I just sent it the other day. Oh, yeah, he thumbs up it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was his way of responding. So. That's, that's, that's a great story. And I'm sure, you know, Gene Taylor, by the time he got that text, you know, of course, Gene Taylor and other members of the athletic staff of the, uh, of the athletic department made a visit, a home visit to Jerome Tang. And, you know, the decision was made that day that Jerome Tang would be the hire. You know, maybe that happened, that text happened after. But I love that Marquis Snow. Well, he, he's already, to me, a special player just for what he does on the floor. Great kid. You know, he has, he has the right mindset to be a, a D1 student athlete. But for him to be that active in the coaching search, doing it upon, going upon himself to start searching for coaches and figuring out who would be the right guy to be the next head coach, I mean, it just adds more special, another special uh, thing about Marquise Noel. Similarly, all credit to Gene Taylor in that aspect as well for being open to a suggestion from a student athlete. Even if the text did come afterwards, the the fact of the matter is is that you know he returned the text at least with yeah an emoji, with an emoji. maybe so. Well, that but, was funny. But the fact is that he still returned the text with yeah. a response. And there are a lot of athletic administrators who, while they talk a big game about being involved with their student athletes and caring about their student athletes, may not have that same reaction. If one of the players on a team where you're in the midst of a coaching change weighs in on who they would like to see as coach. And, you know, this gets back even to what we've seen with where the football program has gone. But if you spend some time around the programs, you get an understanding that at the top, there's a culture that Gene Taylor is building with these athletic programs. And... That's an item right there that falls under that culture. A couple of dynamite hires. Absolutely. Of course, you know, in the latest one, Jason Mansfield of, uh, of volleyball. We'll see what he does, but you know, when it comes to football and men's basketball, not too shabby. Folks in, folks in the game are, are really, really impressed with what Mansfield brings to the table. Now, I mentioned that Marquis Noel and the players were up first before Tang. Alec Bussey was the one asking the questions. He's from email online, did a great job of – of, of asking the questions to get this story, of course, had to ask Jerome Tang about that story that was told by Marquise Noel. Gene Taylor told me the story um, after I got hired, a little later on when Keith was here, uh, when, when Keith decided he was staying and stuff. And, uh, man, it, it means a lot for a guy. I mean, I remember uh, he thought it was my scout 
when we played him here at K-State. And because I don't think he played one of the times that we played them when I was at Baylor. And but I know he played when we played here. And but I, you know, I did the defense, so I was involved in every scout there. And so after the game, when we won, he we was going through the line, having the plays. He says, "I knew it was your scout." <laughs> you know, and it wasn't, but it was really cool that he that he acknowledged it, right? And so getting here and knowing that I was one of the names, so the name that he sent to Gene, uh, that, that means a lot, right? And I, I mean, I, I love the young fellow, man. He's, that, that's my arrow. It's a great bond they have. Great yes, bond man, they have. They try, if, if you watch them during a the game, they, they do communicate a lot during dead balls. For it seems like for Coach Town, I don't know this for sure, but it, like you know, Marquise Noel, he's the point guard. They they, they communicate the most. Uh, I I think drum tank drum tank. I mean, I, I think a lot of where that bond was built as well was just letting Marquise be able to do his thing, what he is comfortable with doing, and he has now proven that he can do those things efficiently, shooting deep balls, his passing. Yes, he'll turn it over once in a while, but he's a point guard. He's going to turn it over once in a while. Uh, but I just thought that'd be really cool to share. I, I thought that was a great it's story a to hear. Tremendous story. Um, adds what is becoming to an early. You know, it's an early story, but it's a you know, a legendary story so far for what Jerome Tang has done. Uh, first of all, 19 years at Baylor and that turnaround, and now having K State as a contender for the Big 12 championship in his first year. But let's keep in mind we're only a third of the way through the Big 12 slate. All right, when we come back, we'll take a quick break. Number one song of the day after these words. No, I can't forget this okay, before this gets too cranked up, I just want to announce, and I just saw this. I know this has uh, been out for a few hours. The Chiefs have announced that their halftime show performing for the divisional round game Saturday is Lil John. What? Yeah! Sorry. <laughs> Had to be done. I, I used to love to do impressions of him. Do the, yeah, or okay. <laughs> I'll blow out the voice if I do that. I wonder how much he cost. It's a good question. Uh, I have a friend um, that is basically in charge of like the finances of the, the state fair. And I asked her when they had Nelly of what that cost to have him perform. She said it was like 75 grand. <laughs> Sounds about For right. Stay fair. Anyway, that that's low, man. Yeah. Gonna turn this up. It's Nelly. I think most would recognize that. From 1972, Without You by Nielsen. I thought this was a Barry Manilow song. Nope. Nope. Four weeks at number one. What's his first name? Is it Harry? Yes. Harry Nielsen. From Brooklyn, New York. But he moved to L.A. as a teenager. His family was too poor for him to live with them. So he moves out to New York, starts working for a bank, and then he's like, he starts getting to music, right? And all of a sudden... For somehow this was discovered, he has a gift for writing music. He starts writing for the Monkees. Uh, he collaborates with Randy Newman on a movie. Let's see what else he did. He, he's like he was the first to do a mashup song. Did it for the Beatles. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. 
and also had a top 10 hit called Everybody Talk or uh, Everybody's Talking rather. And that's from the 69 film Midnight Cowboy. And also had a song called One that was released by Three Dog Night in 69. As a matter of fact, in 68, the Beatles did a press conference. They were asked, who's your favorite uh, American group? They answered Nielsen, as he was sometimes called the American Beatle. He was also very close friends with John Lennon mm-hmm. and Ringo Starr. He was voted 62nd on Rolling Stone's list of the top 100 greatest songwriters of all time. Didn't handle success too well. Alcoholism ran in his family. When he became successful, the drinking also went up. Smiled a little bit. He died of of a heart failure at the age of 52. Mm. His son actually also died at the age of 52 Mm -hmm. to colon cancer. Uh, but 16 pseudo albums, eight top 40 hits, and it's his only number one. As a matter of fact, also, Neil, he was never one to go out on tour and do concerts. Just kind of recorded the music, and that was about it. Now, this is from his seventh studio album. I love the name of this album. It's called Nielsen Schmielsen. Yes. That, that's great. Yeah. What a great name that is. More people need to do something like that. Who... who who would be a great one? Let's let's think of one here. Kelly Clarkson, like Clarkson Schmarkslin. I was thinking like Metallica Schmalica. <laughs> what could we do for Drake? Uh, <laughs> you need a couple of syllables yeah, to make it work. I guess, yeah. I, I guess that just comes from me wanting to make fun of Drake as much as anything. Uh, let's see here. So this is a gut-wrenching ballad, as you could tell. But the first release, this is actually a cover song. The first release, it was a group called Badfinger. In 1970, they did not release it as a single. He first came across this at a party in 71. He thought it was a Beatles song, which I would think, you know, he was close to the guys, right? He would know better that this wasn't a Beatles song, but he thought it was. The thing is, because reason is because he thought it was the Beatles song because Badfinger was on Apple Records. Ah. Now... Also, a kicker about this is, so this song made a lot of people a lot of money, but those that were probably most entitled to make the money had tragic consequences because songwriters, Peter Hamm and Tom Evans, who was going to get crazy royalties for it, Apple Records kind of collapsed in 73, Mm -hmm. and they never got their due. As a matter of fact, because of those career setbacks, Hamm... He hanged himself two years later. Mm. Evans hanged himself eight years later. Uh, and then Bad uh, Badfinger guitarist Joey Moland. Um, as a matter of fact, Evans got in an argument with him about the royalties, and that led to Evans hanging. Oh, boy. Yeah. Not only a gut-wrenching song, it's got a gut-wrenching story. Uh-huh. It did win a Grammy. Did win a Grammy for Best Male Pop Vocal in 73. It was his second Grammy Award, and Without You was nominated for Record of the Year and Nielsen Schmielsen for Album of the Year. Nielsen Schmielsen. <laughs> it was also featured, did you remember the... Uh, what was it, the Super Bowl about seven years ago? It was during a Super Bowl halftime commercial about uh, 
the dogs dressed like hot dogs and they're running towards human condiments. Yes. Mustard, ketchup. Chasing after them, yes. And also in 2021, and hopefully, Travion, you didn't look at this because I like this guessing game. Rolling Stone did list it in their top 500 songs of all time. Guys, where did it land? 136. Okay. 403. Travion is the closest. 496. Barely made it. Wow. Barely made it. All right. I suppose. Hey, Travion, you want to get us out when we need to get out? If you're ready to go, we'll just jump right into it. Okay. All right. There it is. Hair trigger over there. Travion, when you're ready. In three, two, one. What are you natural at? Being a loud mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's most radio guys at this point, right? I don't know. I don't think I'm natural at anything. You don't have a natural talent for anything? Not even just like, you know. No, I, I think... You know, some I, I've had to practice. Anything that I'm good at has taken a lot of practice. Am I a natural in anything? I don't know. Like I kind of nailed right. it when I first made eggs. I've never screwed up eggs. Like right out of the gate, I was a chef. I was like a Michelin five star chef. If that goes, if it goes that high, okay. Or did they just grade out restaurants? Do you know that is it's Michelin Tire that does those. Those rankings or that star grade. Yes. That is the mm-hmm. actual tire yeah. company. I think the whole story behind that is, is like, hey, you buy a buy our tires and we'll send you to a good restaurant. So they just started rating these restaurants and now it's a super big deal. One of those great things that they did for people who would be traveling. Yeah. I just want to say Michelin has never, ever uh, recommended a restaurant to me. So, uh, and I've bought their tires before. So, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm owed. I'm talking like a couple of years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, I do not have Michelin tires on my car right now because they did me dirty. All right. Uh, I, I don't think I'm natural. I don't, maybe announcing, but I wasn't great at it. Like the four, three, like that took me a while to get it down. Yeah. I was not good at it at first. Says the guy who's still kind of working on some of those things my natural um, my ring announcing i i think my ring announcing and wrestling and i've been doing that a little bit longer than working here As a matter of fact i mentioned at the top of the show jay briscoe passed away in a mm-hmm. car accident he was at the first show i ever ring announced at did mm. not wrestle but was there um yeah i guess that's it do you guys feel like you have good taste in things yes. whether it's entertainment or otherwise i have the best taste (laughs) seriously best taste in music movies food women (laughs) (laughs) nice catch (laughs) uh people should be more like me and i'd probably have more friends if that were the case oh my I think in general I have good taste. In general. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. In in general. What's I mean, th- there may be a questionable t-shirt or two that, that shows up in the mix, but You got the best t-shirts, I gotta say. <laughs> I, lo- I I love popping in and seeing Troy's t-shirts because it, it's it, always something different every I, day. I think yeah, it his are a bit more like on the on the humor side. Yes. When it comes to what's on him. Uh but I, it is between Troy and Travion of like best entertaining wardrobe 
My you, personal you both fav- do great. My personal favorite for the moment still remains the emotional support animal. As in animal from the Muppets. Let's squeeze in one more real quick, Travion, and give us an easy one. There's what's, been some thinkers. What's the best thing you've got from your parents? Like in terms of personality or what uh, what have you? An inability to put up with a lot of be my about ro- that. My roid okay. uh, I about said roid rage. My road <laughs> rage. Wow. Okay. <laughs> My road rage. I get it from my mom. Um, Are yeah. those the best things best you got thing? from your parents? Best yeah. thing? It's the best thing. Yeah. My inability to put up with is why I will, you know, be outspoken about any number of topics. My dad is a master craftsman. I got none of that. That's going to no. do it for the show. For Travion, Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.